0: We're going to have our scripture reading now. Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 11, 2 through 19. Now when John heard in prison that that what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. And these men, as these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go in, what did you go out into the wilderness to see A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you and I tell you and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent had have been seizing it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John and if you're willing to accept it he is the Elijah who is to come let anyone who hears who has ears listen to what should i compare this generation it's like children sitting in the marketplaces who call out to their children, to other children. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be
1: One of the, the benefits of uh, me listening to the scripture read before uh, I preach it is I, t- I try to think now if I hadn't studied this week what would I be confused about? I feel like there's a lot in there. <laughs> I'm like if I hadn't studied this. I'm like what is he talking about? So we have this time to explain what what God's word is is teaching us. So uh, we are in the season of Advent, Christmas time. Advent it's just a, a fancy way of saying So when we think about Advent, we think about the fact that Jesus Christ came, that he was born of a virgin and lived among us for our salvation. And one of the things that I feel like Christmas time and Advent season, uh, one of the themes that exists is this theme of hope. Everybody just feels more hopeful. You know, when you start seeing Christmas trees, I don't know, you're like, oh, yay, it's a Christmas tree. But at the same time that we're in a season of hope, I have uh, no doubt. That there are some among us who are struggling with doubt. Yeah? So, so, so how do you get through a season that is full of hope, yet you personally are struggling with doubt? When everybody around you feels cheerful, but in your heart you might not be, what do you do? I think the answer from this text is that we would strive to enter the kingdom of God even through doubt, disillusionment, and offense. That we would strive to enter the kingdom of God, even through doubt, disillusionment, and offense. Let's pray. Father, I I ask you that you would open up our eyes to see what's written in your word. In the kids' sermon, we read that that scripture that that, says that the word of God Would you help us listen, understand, and obey what your word is saying to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when we look at verse 2, verse 2 to 6, we can have this idea that it can be easy to doubt Jesus when things are not going well. Let's look at verse 2. It says, now when John, that's John the Baptist, when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing... He sent a message through his disciples and asked them, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Now, if you're reading that the first time, you're like, who is offended? Good stuff is happening. Why is he saying blessed is the one who isn't offended by me? Now, let's, let's, let's ponder John the Baptist's situation, right? He served Jesus faithfully in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance. He he was willing to suffer for the sake of the message of God. And at this time in his life, he is locked up in prison because of what he was doing was right. So he's thinking in his head, I'm I'm imagining, now I've told that Jesus was coming and then he came, and then I'm in prison, and Jesus is doing miracles, and I'm still in prison. What? Why am I still in prison? Jesus is doing miracles all out, because what it says, it says that he heard. He heard about what Jesus was doing. So I, I know, like, the funny thing is, he actually knew what to answer. John knew the answer to the question, is this the one? Listen, and, John, and, and the, the Gospel of John, when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is not confused about who Jesus is. Something else is happening here. Something else is happening it can be easy to doubt the goodness of Jesus when you see his saving work in other people's lives, but not in your own. Can that make you feel a little sour? You're like, well, look, Jesus, look what you're doing over there. What about me? Have you witnessed things going well for others and been confused about your own life? I guess Jesus is, you hear him stuff, you know, maybe you heard about. Uh, Gary, this morning, and he like, Well, he, he got healed, but I'm sick. Maybe you're struggling with that. And, and let's just be honest that is a real struggle. And perhaps John the Baptist heard about what Christ was doing, and he was like, Well, I know you can do it. You're healing people, you're raising the dead. Surely you can open this door so I can walk up out of here. Yeah? See, Jesus is the promised Messiah who does miraculous works in people's lives. That's what he was saying. Jesus' his reply is like, are you the Christ? He's like, "What well, people getting healed. What you think? Jesus' kingdom and his mission were moving forward. There was healings, deliverance, and uplifting of the poor. So ironically, just because God doesn't seem active in your life does not mean that he is not active in general. Yeah. Just because he like, he ain't doing what I want him to do, doesn't mean he stopped doing stuff. It's illustrated in John the Baptist, like, I, he's a normal person. I assume he didn't want to be in jail. It'd be weird if he was like, yay. Yeah. But he was like, I know, I can see stuff happening over there. But, but, but what about me? And it can make you question, well, is God who he says he is? Is he powerful? Does he, does he do things? But you can look out and say, even if he's not doing it in my life, I still see him at work. Which interestingly can be a source of both heartache, but also encouragement, because you know that it's not because he's incapable, right? That's why it's so important to listen to the testimony of others. Maybe there is someone in here struggling with a sickness, and you heard our brother's testimony, and you're like, well, at least I know he can. This is a call for us to delight in what God is doing to other people's lives, even, even if he's not doing what we want him to do. See, we have to be careful of offense towards God when things do not go the way that we want them to go. We have to guard against that. Because here's the reality. Either John the Baptist or his disciples were offended. Somebody was feeling some kind of way because of how Jesus responded. And let's just be honest. Is that not understandable? It's understandable. He's like, I'm in jail. You can do stuff. Can you please get me out? What in the world is happening? But here's the deal. You need not assume that God has overlooked you or has not seen your faithfulness when times are hard. Because I think even more than him being sad about his situation, I bet he was wondering, did he remember what I did for him? Did, did he remember, I, I was out in the wilderness, eating locusts for him. And he out here healing people, and I'm in jail. Does he remember me? What does he think about me? Here's the thing that you need to remember, that Jesus defends those who are faithful to him. In verse seven, it says, as these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak, about, speak to the crowd about John. So listen, if you're in the crowds and you just heard Jesus, so tell John, basically, don't be offended. I feel like in the crowd, you can be like, well, John tripped But listen to what Jesus says about John. He says, what did you go out to see in the wilderness? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See, those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written see i am sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way before you listen listen jesus just delivered uh, maybe maybe that what could be considered a very gentle rebuke to john and the crowds could have been like oh jesus don't like john and john, jesus was like look don't get it twisted i need to defend him before you he is not he is not in prison because he did something wrong he is not in prison because he didn't, didn't obey me. He is not in prison because I've forgotten him or because I don't like him. Notice how Jesus immediately defended John the Baptist. Now, whatever, you, whatever the crowd thought, they couldn't walk away from the conversation thinking Jesus didn't like John. He just said he's the best prophet that ever was. So don't get it twisted about John. John is my boy. Jesus defends John. He, and listen and he, he saw, he saw his life. Listen, the whole idea about he wasn't a reed swaying in the wind, it means that he had a backbone. I saw him being bold. He wasn't scared. He said exactly what I wanted him to say. He, the whole thing about wearing soft clothes, what he's talking about, he's saying that John was willing to suffer and endure hardship for me. He didn't have a cushy life. He wasn't wearing soft clothes up, up, up in a penthouse. No, he was in the wilderness working for me. Matter of fact, he's the greatest prophet, and he pointed directly to the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecy. So maybe you're in a situation, and you're like, does Jesus care about me? Because you're looking at the immediate circumstances of your life. You're like, this is not how I would pick it, and if he's powerful, why is he letting this happen? Listen, I don't know the intricacies of that answer. But one thing I do know, the Bible says is that Jesus is your advocate. He is never your accused. He is your advocate. (laughs) Listen, he defends us. Listen, I want you to understand this. Jesus Jesus could have been like, well, John, you started well, but you're tripping now. That's not what he did. John, why are you you telling your disciples to doubt me? You you started. He's not saying any of that. He is defending the one who is wrong. That should be good news to you. That when he looks to you, his posture is not to accuse you. Listen, listen, even when you're wrong, his posture toward you is to defend you. How could he do that? Now, we we say that scripture during the confession of sins every week. If anyone sins what? We have Jesus Christ, the righteous one. How can he defend us? Because he lived a righteous life when we did not. And he deserved only accolades and glory, yet he got up on a cross. And the accusations that should have come to us were put on him on the cross. How can he defend you? Because he took your sin on the cross. So why would he accuse you when he's already taken the consequences? No, no, no. He uses his voice to advocate for you because he was a substitute on the cross for you. And you need to hear this. Jesus defends you against every single one of your accusers. One of the names of Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What does he do? He accuses you. He accuses you. And here's the funky thing. A lot of times it's right. A lot of times you were stripping. A lot of times you sin and you've got this voice in your ear bringing up your guilt and your shame and you're reliving the past mistakes over and over and over again. But I want you to understand something, that when Satan comes to God and begins to accuse you, there's a man, Jesus, who says, Nuh-uh, I took that. You have no right to accuse them because I took that on the cross. And the reality is this, sometimes you accuse yourself. Sometimes you're looking at you like, why did I do this? Why did I do that? I'm just, there's a scripture that says, 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 even when our own hearts condemn us, God is stronger than our hearts. Even when your own conscience is tearing you down, we have an advocate that defends you against you. Jesus defends you. And not only that, Jesus sees the faithfulness of his servant. Like, what did Jesus say? He, like, I just want, I feel like Jesus was kind of proud of John in his saying. Like, he like, what did you see? You saw a bold man. You saw a man who was willing to suffer. You saw one who wasn't scared. That is my boy. Listen, he sees all of your works of faith. It does not go unnoticed by him. And I'm sure in hard times you could look back and go, well, don't you remember Jesus when I did this and this and this? And I guess, yes, he members. He has real pride when he sees your works of faith. There's this, there, one, of my, one of my favorite stories is in Acts chapter 7. There's this deacon named Stephen, and Stephen is preaching the gospel, and listen, people don't like it, and they put him on trial, and they, there's a phony trial, and they begin to throw stones at him until he dies, and if you listen to the scriptures, what it says is, Stephen said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, listen, we say this creed all every week. Where, what is Jesus doing at the right hand? Sitting. He's sitting. That's what he's usually doing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a game and somebody about to make a play. What you do? Well, that's me. I stand I'm like, man, what? The other day I was watching a football game. I saw a drive, a 98-yard drive. You know what I'm talking about i thought i'd drive and i said oh snap and becca said whoa i was like, oh, my bad i didn't mean to scare you i just got excited you know i just got excited listen listen when we are walking in faithfulness you can just imagine that jesus is standing up and saying look at him look at her i see that jesus defends us he sees us he sees you weak and suffering saint. he sees you and those who serve faithfully are worthy of honor and attention. That's, that's, that's the point. Like, listen, don't get it twisted about John the Baptist, y'all. That's one of the reasons why we look at church history, so we can see those who finished well and seek to imitate their life. We live in a, in a, in a culture in America that, that greatly, greatly values youth. What that means is we don't listen to those who got some season on. them, but we need to because we have to honor those who have been walking with the Lord faithfully for a long time. Now, we get to verse 11 through 15. I think the idea is, do not have any excuse to not enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. And the violent have been seizing it by force. For all the prophes- prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Let anyone who has hear- ears listen. So here's the deal. You know, he just went on. We went hard about how cool John the Baptist was, but he said something crazy. He says, he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Why? Listen, listen, on this side of the gospel, we know fully what Jesus does for us and his death on the cross and his resurrection. John could see it cloudy in the distance, but we can look back and see it with clarity. And we can say, no, we know for sure how much God loves us because he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and rise from the dead. Listen, listen, though John was the greatest prophet, you have more clarity about what Jesus has come to do than he does. Listen, we have access to God in a way that the Old Testament people of God did not. It is very rare in the Old Testament to hear God talked about a Nobody addresses God as father in the Old Testament. But he has given us the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what? Abba, father. Now here's the deal. There's a verse that has confused people forever. The the whole violent thing. Kingdom of heaven, seven, violent, violence. What's going on with this violence thing? Listen, those who want to get into the kingdom of heaven exhaust every effort to get there. Say it again. Those who want to get into the kingdom of heaven exhaust every effort to get there. Listen, what he says is the kingdom of heaven has been metaphorically suffering violence because people have been fighting to get in it. And the life of John the Baptist says crowds followed him. In the life of Jesus, has crowds fallen. there are times in Jesus' life where he's walking, and he's about to get crushed because so many people are trying to get next to him because they want to hear the message of the kingdom, and they want to have salvation, and they want to have assurance that God loves them. See, crowds are flocking to John and Jesus, and this is somewhat—it wasn't like a nice parade, y'all. They were clamoring to get to him. Let me just see him. Oh, he went to the other side of the sea? Well, let me run. I got a boat? Let me get in the boat. Wherever he is, I got to be there because I want to see the benefits of the kingdom. Listen, what is this kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is more than a place, y'all. The kingdom of God is the presence of God. Righteousness, joy, and peace. Have you you ever, you you know, you might have been in a setting and maybe a person who's just very peaceful walked into the room and then you felt peaceful? Listen, the kingdom of God is is the the influence of his presence and reign, that when God steps into your life, you are assured of forgiveness, that you have righteousness, joy, and peace, and hope, and folk who want that run as hard as they can to get it. There's 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 a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached, and it's called A Holy Violence. It was on this verse. And he talks about somebody the called the spiritually violent individual. It doesn't sound awesome, but he's using it in a very good sense. And he says, Those who are seeking Jesus will not and cannot rest until they find him. Now imagine you're you're in the in a desert, and you haven't had water for a while, and you see an oasis. Are you going to casually walk to the oasis? Are you going to just take a nap? Or are you gonna... No, no, if you're thirsty, you're going to get some water. So here's the reality. In Jesus, is found everything that we can hope for and need. And some of us are so casual in our pursuit of him. Listen, if you really want him, you run to him. If you really want him, you make it happen. Because if you are really hungry, you go get your food. Jesus is saying, listen, listen, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. People are coming up on the kingdom of heaven. And what he said, and the violent are getting in. The ones who are saying, I'm going to get in, they're getting in. The ones who are exerting effort to get close to Jesus, they are the ones getting close to him. Now, if we want to get close to Jesus, what are the means through which we get there? How, how, how How do we get there? What's the steps? What I love is that Jesus doesn't leave us without instruction. We enter the kingdom by clinging to and believing the promises of God. I'll give you a really clear illustration. Before you had assurance of the forgiveness of sins, Jesus already accomplished the forgiveness of your sins on the cross. So what changed? Your belief in what he said. That's that's what changed. And here's the deal. Let's just keep it honest. Is it it sometimes hard to believe that he forgave you? You're struggling with doubts, but you promise. You cling to that thing. No, but he said it. He said that he would forgive me. So I am clinging to this promise, and I'm going to seize the goodness of this promise because I'm going to believe what he said. See, we use the, the methods or the means of grace to understand and strengthen our faith in God's promises. so we don't read scripture just because we want to do a thing. But I want to find some promises that I can cling to. And I pray not just because I want to say some stuff, but I want to ask God's help that I will believe what he said. And we come to church, not just to so come to church, but so that when we are together, we reflect and we cling to these promises that God has given us. And we say, we are gonna believe in this thing, even when it's hard, because I want the kingdom. I want the Presence, I want his peace, I want his hope, I want all of that. And I will get I will do whatever I have to do to get close to Jesus and his promises. And the reality is, John the Baptist, right now, he's fighting doubt and offense. He listen, listen, in, in a very real sense, I, I bet he was like, Do you see me, Jesus? Do, do you see what I've done? But this is preventing him from finding peace and rest. And the presence and affirmation of God. And he, he himself has to fight to hold on to the word of God. Now, what's cool is that Jesus told him some stuff. He said, Jesus said, yo, tell John the Baptist I like him a lot. Just, I want, just go tell him. And so when, this, when, when John's disciples get to the prison, I don't know what John's thinking, but what Jesus wants to make very clear is that you are not in this situation because I don't like you. And John has to cling to that. Or he will be overwhelmed by doubt and offense. Listen, we have to cling to the word of God, even when our circumstances are difficult. Because here's the crazy, there's, there's another example of people in prison. In, in, in Acts, uh, Apostle Paul and Silas, they go to prison. And they have a very different response than John the Baptist. The Bible, they're in prison, locked up, and singing about God. They're singing about God. They're having joy, and everybody's like, what? What are they doing? You know we're in jail, right? What are you doing? Listen, even though they were in prison, man, they were manifesting the kingdom of God. They were having some peace and some joy. Listen, listen. You can have access to the benefits of God's kingdom and his presence no matter your circumstances if you would cling to the promises of God. We have to hold on to the promises of God and seek to enter the kingdom and verses 16 through 19, it's a very interesting parable, but I think it's teaching us that we need to pay attention to the invitations of God. In verse 16, it says, to what should I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in a marketplace who call out to other children. We play the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't mourn. For John came eating, nor, neither eating nor drinking. They say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton, a drunkard, in front of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. What is going on here? Jesus is saying, Listen, when John the Baptist came, he came serious. He came, he, like, he was serious. He was like, You need to repent. And they didn't listen. And Jesus comes and says, I'm going to show you grace, I'm going to show you love. And they didn't listen. This, it, It was interesting. It it, it didn't matter how the message of God came to them. It came to them in a a variety of ways, but their hearts were hardened. Here's something I want want you to understand God speaks to us in various ways, but they can be categorized in two primary ways. Listen, God speaks to us with his law, and then God speaks to us with his gospel. So in in the Bible, you'll find law, you'll find commands, you'll find warnings of judgment, and I hope you heed it. It's to make you see, all oh, snap, I need help. And you need to hear. But yet, at the same time, God speaks to us with promises and comfort. Beloved, we have to listen to God no matter how he speaks. And the reality is some of us are offended at the severity of the warnings. John, why are you so, John, the Baptist, chill out, man. It ain't that serious. Go on in the wilderness and go over there. Eat your locusts and stuff. No, no, no. no, no. We're like, why is God's law so serious? And then we look at the seriousness of God's law and kind of shrug it off. Oh, was too serious. Let me go ahead and do my thing. But then others are offended at the magnitude of grace. Jesus is being gracious to people, and, and, and you could imagine people like, why are you being gracious to him? He's jacked up. There were a variety of ways they could get offended of what God was doing. Be careful not to downplay God's warnings or yawn at His grace. Listen, when God is speaking to you via warning, via command, take that thing seriously. If He is calling you to repent, repent. If God is showing you grace, don't think that a light thing. Don't think it a thing that you can just stand on and, and toss aside. No, understand that He is showing you grace and come to Him humbly with joy. Listen, no matter how God is speaking to you, heed what he's saying. If He's Listen, I, I feel like some, some might be feeling the weight of God's commands. And a lot of times when people feel the weight of God's commands, it makes them want to run away. Y'all, that makes no sense because it is out of his grace that he tells you what he wants. You don't got to be confused, and he's warning you. And some of y'all have heard about grace so much that it isn't all you anymore. It doesn't surprise you that the God who made heaven and earth wants to sit and eat with you. No, no, you need to be in awe. You need to be thankful and grateful. We all have to seize the invitation from God. I love what Jesus says at the end. He says, says, wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. So if you're wise, you heed the warnings of God. God's commanding you, you go, oh, snap, let me slow down. If you're wise, you'd listen to and receive grace. See, we have to seek to enter the kingdom of God through holding firmly to the promises of God. So listen, every week, the gospel is extended to you. Every single week. That though you are a sinner, God loved you enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And if you would repent and believe you would have forgiveness and peace and life, beloved. Seize that. Hold on to that promise. Let that promise be before you always. When, you, when, when you're during the week, you've got to cling to the scripture so that you can hold on to the promises. So that you can enter into the rest of the kingdom of God. Beloved, I, I encourage you to hope. And trust in God, even, even if you can be like, I relate to John the Baptist. Things ain't going like I wanted them to go, and I thought I did a lot of good stuff. Even if that's you, you have to fight for joy. How could John fight for joy? John could be in prison, but he could go, but Jesus likes me, though. The Son of God, the Lamb of God, gave me props. He sees my sacrifice. I don't understand exactly what he's doing, but whatever he's doing is not because he didn't like me. He can find joy in that. You got got to fight for some hope. Listen, I don't know how things are going on in your life right now, but the scripture says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't know how that's going to work out in your life, but I think it means that you can have some hope. I think it means that, that when all is said and done, When this life is over that you get to be peacefully with christ and his kingdom beloved you can hope even if you are in the depths of despair you have to fight to take hold of the word of god which gives you peace and rest so ironically the scripture is calling us to be a little violent tenacious hungry thirsty to get like, I'm going to be next to God, near to God, no matter what is in my way. Even if my life isn't going the way I want it to go, I'm going to seize the promises of God because, listen, listen, if I come knocking, he's going to open. Yeah? Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. But the one who asks receives, the one who knocks, the door is opened. So, beloved, there are these rich treasure chests of promises of God. And I'm telling you, go get it. Cling to it so that you can have joy and peace and rest no matter what your life circumstances are. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, how you, you, you encourage us to have hope even when our life circumstances do not seem hopeful. Lord, you have given us all these precious promises And you said, come into into my kingdom, come into my presence, come experience my forgiveness, my love, my peace. And Lord, I pray that you would make us tenacious pursuers of you, that we would seek to cling to you with everything that we have so that we can have what we can.